If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. All right, Fourth of July weekend. And imagine with temperatures supposedly heading into the 90s this weekend. And you might be craving a tasty beverage. And we're not referring to H2O. Nah, maybe a nice refreshing Pilsner, a juicy IPA, perhaps even a spiked seltzer. Ah, I see what you did there. I'm not going to take credit for that one. Our director of podcasting, Tom (laughs) Rickard, said that I should work that in somehow. So I just need to put that out there. So this is the scenario we're painting for you. But here's the catch. You can't find any of these drinks anywhere. And it's not because... Brewers aren't making beer because retailers like bars and restaurants are closed. It's because a link in the chain is broken. It was uh, problematic for us because we were limited to only ordering kegs. No cases were going to be pulled for the last delivery before the strike vote. And we did not receive all the kegs we ordered. Now, we're not talking the uh, supply chain issues that you hear so much about. We are talking about a new labor agreement for the local beer distributors union that serves Philadelphia that saved us from this nightmare scenario. But it was very close to being a reality. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we're going to talk about a linchpin in the American beer industry. The distributors, the people that you may not realize are the reason that beer gets to your table and into that glass. And there's a new contract for the Teamsters Local 830. And KYW's John McDevitt will be with us in a few minutes. But first... Let's get a little context about what was at stake from one of the great people in this city's beer scene. My name is Tom Peters. I'm one of the owners of Monk's Cafe, the founder of Monk's Cafe in Center City, Philadelphia. I am really into craft beer and the whole Philadelphia craft beer scene. But for people who have not heard of Tom Peters or Monk's Cafe, Monk's Cafe is legendary. It's one of the most renowned beer destinations, not just in the city of Philadelphia, but You can make the case the world. People literally come from all over the planet to see what's on tap at Monk's. And why is that? Because Tom Peters, he gets the stuff that other people would say is ungettable. The impossible to find India Pale Ales from California that for a long time, Monk's was the only place that you could get certain types of beer from California. Breweries from out there, they wouldn't distribute east of Colorado. I mean, (laughs) think about that. That's crazy. He also gets rare imports from Europe. No one has these beers except for Tom Peters. Beer distributors are essential to our business. Without them, you know, it's a three-tier system, so we need the distributors to, to provide the service that they're by law allowed to do. People come, you know, they travel. We have people from Belgium that come here to drink beer here. So as Tom was just saying, how does that ultra-rare beer get from its place of origin to his bar The answer is distributors, of course. And the local union for distributors here in the Philadelphia area is called Teamsters 830. Two weeks ago, Tom had no clue that the union was threatening to strike. His reaction when he found out? Uh, I don't think I could say that on the air. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we we were not happy because of the 4th of July weekend rolling around. So we were very relieved once uh, we found out that the, the strike was settled. Yeah, the thing is, Monk's isn't just a bar that came along in the last decade when craft beer really exploded here in the United States. Tom Peters has been at this for 
Over three decades, true OG in the Philadelphia beer scene, Monks has a core of four distributors in the area that it uses. One of them is Origlio, and that was one of the distributors that was threatened to strike this coming weekend over July 4th. So Tom knows how vital these distributors are to his business. He also knows what they do from the warehouse workers to the truck drivers. It can kind of be a thankless gig. It's backbreaking work. These these half kegs are when they're filled, they're very, very heavy. And if you're loading 100 half kegs on a uh, truck and pulling them off each time, and granted, they use a forklift to load them, but when they un- unload them, there's either one or two people on the truck that pull these kegs off, and then they bring it to our basement, and our guy takes it downstairs. It's, a, it's really, really hard work. Coming up next, we've got a guy here in the KYW newsroom who might be able to talk as much about beer as Tom Peters. That's KYW's John McDevitt, and he'll tell us more about what Teamsters 830 wanted in their new deal coming up next. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And let's welcome in KYW's John McDevitt. John, how's it going? Hello, Jay. Hi, Sabrina. Hello there, Brian. Got the whole crew here today. John, we know this story has a happy ending for Teamsters 830. They got a new deal. But (laughs) how did we get to the point where the local beer distributors union was preparing to continue a strike into the 4th of July weekend? Yeah, I mean, who knew there was a beer distributor union, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. No, they're very important, a very important part of the process. And uh, members of Teamsters Local 830, that's the drivers, the warehouse production workers, the sales and marketing personnel, they went on strike against the Delaware Valley Importers Distribution Association. The beverage distributors were uh, three big ones in the region, uh, Ariglio, Penn and Mueller, the workers wanted better wages and they were not happy with what the hours and and scheduling. So uh, that's what they were opposed to. John, I was going to ask when you're talking about the members of this union, the workers, is this truck drivers? Is this people in the factories? Is it mm-hmm. kind of all of the above? Yeah, all the above. And the marketing folks, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's, it, it, it's the production. It's the it's the drivers. It's, it, 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 it's those that market the brand locally, like a regional marketer marketer kind of a thing. It's all of those folks. It seems like such a demanding and intensive job at times. John, what was at stake here? I mean, you threw out names that people like myself, I mean, I love beer, into the scene here, all that. I recognize the names of those distributors. But how much of a footprint do they have? What was at stake and how disruptive could a strike have been had it actually gone through and happened? Yeah, well, it's summertime, 4th of July coming up. And people were worried. Consumers were worried. The the bar owners were worried. The stores. And basically what was being threatened, it wasn't so much your uh, craft beer. They do distribute craft breweries. But there are breweries in, in the city, in the region, that actually can distribute. So – what was really at stake here, Fourth of July approaching, was the Miller, the cases of Corona, the the White Claws. Oh my God, uh, uh, <laughs> that would all... be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these these things were, um, you know, it's the things that you take to the beach, to picnics, to people's homes. That was what people were worried about. If if there was going to be an ample supply, some some bar owners uh, were actually heard rumblings of this possible strike, and they were preparing and bought a little extra. How did all of this get resolved over the weekend? Like, what 
did the sides eventually just kind of come to a consensus on? Yeah, so both sides are calling it a fair, comprehensive agreement, um, and it includes a significant wage and benefit uh, increase. Um, the 3,100 members of Teamsters Local 830 voted on a four-year contract with a 10.5% wage increase for the first year and then additional increases uh, each of the following years. We were talking with Tom Peters from Monk's Cafe earlier, and he obviously, John, is such a passionate guy, uh, knowledgeable guy, obviously, when it comes to the world of beer, specifically here in Philadelphia. Did he tell you about his basement? We did not talk about his basement. I have heard about the basement. It exists. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel privileged that I'm sitting next to someone who can verify that it exists. (laughs) But, you know, his basement, for people running, what are you talking about? Like, this is the treasure trove, right? This is like the rare. This is like the wine cellar, but it's a beer cellar, right? Yeah, and a lot of it is – it's his private – a lot of his private things. Um, He knows everyone. Yeah. uh, Worldwide in the beer industry. And yeah, so he really does know his stuff and there there is a, a great selection hidden down in in the basement of Monk's Cafe. And also on the street level, you go in and they're tapless. The thing that I think about Monk's is so impressive is you could just walk in on a routine day and their tapless could arguably be the best and most rare in the city. And Tom brought up when we were talking something that I hadn't even considered. So here's a little history lesson, and it brought something into focus for me. The way it's structured in the United States since Prohibition is a three-tier system. So you have a brewer or uh, importer, then you have a distributor, and then you have the retailer, which is what Monk's Cafe is, is the retailer. And that's to prevent Anheuser-Busch or Miller or Coors from owning all the bars and having tied houses like you see in London, you go to a, a Fuller's house and all they have are Fuller's beers or a Timothy Taylor house. It's not cost effective, but it allows for a lot more variety in the United States than other countries have. Yeah, John, that's something that I hadn't even thought of, that based on the laws here and the way the system is set up, we thankfully have a very heterogeneous beer culture. We do. And, and yeah, our, our, our laws are, uh, you know, they're definitely uh, different. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's just it's a fact of life. And, that, and, and that's what the people in the industry have uh, known. It's a little more relaxed and a little bit more uh, variety now over the years uh, uh, since, since the craft movement has taken off. And, uh, but it's definitely, uh, de- definitely a, uh, some obstacles in place that, that, that the people in the know know how to get around now. <laughs> so basically the moral of the story is next time you see one of those beer distributors lugging kegs or trying to get those big trucks through Center City, trying to get them into a restaurant or to your favorite liquor store, show them a little love while they're out there because they're doing this for you. <laughs> Point blank. John, so often you join us to talk about lovely animals. Now you're talking about beers, like the two things you you love the most. We always want to bring you in for that. (laughs) Thank you so much, John, for coming in and joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And that is it for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll be back at you again really soon.